When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Wrestle Buddies, Gay Spouse Wrestling Podcast, filled with wrestling, friendship, and wrestling with friendship. I I'm am Chris Hayner, King God, of the World. God, you just redlined the hell out of that. Join the Dark Order. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You can start it over again. I just wanted to catch you off guard. Hey, I'm your host, Matt Elfring. I'm keeping all that in. And with me is uh, King of the Red Line, Chris Hayner. Hello. Chris, how are you? Hello, Matthew. Join the Dark Hi. Order. Join DarkOrder.com. I'm great, Matt. Uh, after last week's impromptu surprise to me episode where I'm in the car talking about Alabama wrestlers, uh, I have made it to sunny, humid, rainy Florida. Uh, where mm. Matt, do you, have you ever been in hot rain? Yeah, I've uh, I have worked um, Star Wars Celebration in mm. Orlando, and it go. was awful it's weird it's not i'm fine with it but it's very odd uh but no i've, I've made it to florida where uh myself and lord pumpernickel are slowly moving into our place it is a work in progress because my stuff is in a truck somewhere between california and florida where who knows who really knows yeah uh we we weren't gonna do an episode last week but then mm-hmm. um the Chucky stuff happened on NXT, mm-hmm. and I was like, I am not not talking about this. Oh, my God. The Chucky stuff is so good. And then I just decided to, since full disclosure, you don't really need to know this, but whatever. Chris and I all week were talking while he was driving. <laughs> we were literally in Zoom meetings all week. I literally from like, I think I, I was in Louisiana, maybe when I zoomed mm-hmm. into an actual meeting, a work meeting, just oh, so Texas. I could. Oh, was I in Texas? Just so I could listen you in. You were in Texas. Just so I could listen in because I was so bored. So yeah. bored. And, yeah, I believe from Texas you uh, is when we first started Zoom meetings. Uh, so Texas to Florida, you and me, most of the day, every day. Good times, baby. Good times. But now I'm here. Oh. I'm here. We're recording. I'm still on a temporary microphone setup because my microphone is with my stuff in a truck. So I can't I, wait to edit and be angry at the audio quality. <laughs> if I sound bad, know that it is 100% Matt's fault and not mine. Let's just say that. Uh, I've been, you know, I've been perusing over today's menu. I'm very hungry mm. for a fine meal. Uh, not steak, though. Chris, what are the specials? Not steak. Chris, what are the specials today? Oh, today, Matt, I'm glad you asked. The blue paste. Oh, t- today's special, the PBS show. Today's Remember special. That? Yeah. Come join in the fun. Do you remember what today's special was about? Was that the mannequin one? That was the one where you'd go in they like they went into the mall at night and like the mannequin would come to life and dance with a lady. And then there was a puppet mouse who would turn into a cartoon mouse and they'd show cartoons of the mouse. And then also the security guard was an old man puppet. Hey, you little kids out there, are you too young to watch the movie Mannequin and understand the subtle sexuality of Kim Cattrall? Here's today's special. Today's special. We're glad you're here. Today's special. Today's special, Matt, is we are speaking with none other than CEO of MLW, Court Bauer. MLW has a huge show coming up in Philadelphia on November 6th. It's a, as Court will tell you, the card is stacked as hell uh, with all sorts of cool matches and cool appearances. Uh, they will be taping episodes of their weekly Fusion series, which airs on Vice TV and on Hulu. But of course, it's Matt and I, so we don't just talk about the thing they're promoting. Uh, we talk about a lot of different stuff. We talk about, oh man, we talk about Lucha Underground. We talk about pandemic wrestling. We talk, guys, guys, we get some hot, hot, hot inside scoop about the Punjabi prison match. What I would call a Wrestle Buddies all-star, even though we haven't had our episode about it yet, but we will. We also talk about Dune because why not? We also talk about Dune and how I don't care about it and how he, you know what, Court's in the same boat and I appreciate that. I uh, never gave my opinion. I loved it, but it was way too long and boring. That sounds about right. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, no, we hit a bunch of stuff. Court is fantastic. This might be one of our longest interviews ever, I would say. We just kept talking and, uh, and nobody stopped it, us. Thanks, Sean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it's it's a, it's a super fun chat about wrestling and being a wrestling fan and liking different types of wrestling. We touch a bit on what's going on with Ring of Honor right now. We touch a bit on wrestling fandom, uh, the future of MLW and how Azteca Underground, it's sort of side story of lucha underground how that fits into it like we hit all kinds you're of gonna stuff. hear it all everything you're gonna hear it all like you're gonna hear it i don't know right now hey guys we got a very special guest today uh mlw's court bauer also pug enthusiast which you did not <laughs> yes. hear when we were talking about pugs <laughs> before court, court and i both own pug breeds uh court lovely to have you today here on wrestle buddies how are you sir Hey, good to hear you. Good to see you. And uh, MLW is a pug company. Davey yes. Richards has a pug. And and through the years, we've had other wrestlers that have had pugs. It's kind of like, if you're going to be an MLW, you got to embrace the, the inner pug. Either you, you look like one or you have one. <laughs> I mean, I, I just want to throw this out there. I am spelling a new t-shirt idea. It's just MLW's logo with a giant picture of a pug underneath it. I would wear that proudly. <laughs> I think a lot of people would, especially in the company, they would love that merch. <laughs> You can, here's a here's a terrible slogan idea uh mlw it's unpugleavable <laughs> oh god matt is Am this where we're starting is this where we're fired, starting right i'm fired well, well you know it's funny uh we actually once only once worked with a, a, a dog it was a bulldog uh it was of course a live special that i said let's do something big let's have davy boy smith with a bulldog yeah. and the dog is so happy and just ready for anything and then what we didn't think of as you walk through rehearsals and you're playing with the dog backstage in small quarters where it's just a few people is what's going to happen when you have a, a packed house, a sold out <laughs> arena and the dog, you're trying to get the dog to walk down the aisle and mm -hmm. uh, the dog goes out on the entrance set music, you know, blasting. And, and, and you can realize David boy's like, uh Oh, she doesn't want to go any further. And he kind of like gently, you know, he's smiling and he's talking, come on, come on. And you can realize, oh no, this dog ain't going to play. So she, he's like, okay, live TV. Let's just scoop this dog up and wait to everyone. Keep on going. And then as soon as we got there, I, I called, uh, we have the, this comm system. I called to the ring announcer. So we're going to get someone to get that poor dog out of there. I think she's had enough for oh. the day and uh, put her next to me backstage. I'll have a much better time. I mean, then you also have a dog helping you run the show, and that sounds pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, well, I, basically the dog is running us, and we're just not paying attention <laughs> to the show. We're like, look at this guy. Look at this great dog. It's a slobbering everywhere. Wait, we have a show to do? Do whatever you want with the camera. I'm focused on something right now. It's like, I'm, I'm doing, I got bulldog time going on here, guys. I can't, I can't be bothered with running the show. Come on. Get a nice backstage shot of the dog watching a screen, watching the show. Just put really? the headset on. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it'd probably do a pretty decent job. Just slobbering, talking to the TV truck. What was that, Court? <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm just thinking the, the photos for social media, they're going to they're gonna go be huge. <laughs> I feel like I need to add a dog to my backstage crew now for, <laughs> for, for this Saturday in Philadelphia. Well, I'm speaking of uh, this Saturday in Philadelphia, you guys have a big show. Yeah. You're going back to Philly. You're taping a bunch of, you're taping episodes of your weekly show. What, for those who are going and then those who will in subsequent weeks be watching on Vice and on YouTube, what can they, what are, what should we be expecting from this show? Well, you're going to have a, a stacked lineup. Uh, we have a ladder match to decide the vacant national openweight championship featuring uh, who's who, including a wild card participant. We have the War Chamber match, which is a cage match with two teams of five. And it's the final battle between Contra and uh, Team MLW. Contra has been running through MLW since March of 2019. And uh, this is the final chapter. And it goes down in Philadelphia this Saturday night. And, and one of the things about MLW, we really, you know, times are tough for some. You know, we really position the product as a value proposition. So, you know, tickets start $15 at mlwlive.com. Wow. So it doesn't take a lot. You, you can't go to the movies for cheap that cheap now. I mean, it's no, pretty affordable. 
<laughs> you absolutely can't. As someone who goes, who tries to go to the movies as often as he can, you most certainly cannot get a ticket no, for fifteen dollars. No, uh, well, you mentioned the wild card participant. Just so we know, if we need to buy plane tickets or anything, we're not the participant, right? No, you guys are training. I heard for the battle riot to come in on the forty man rest. You know, forty man wrestling. Okay, match, yeah, so yeah, that that feels some time. That feels a, also that feels a lot like lower intensity because we can just kind of hide in the corner while everybody else does yeah, yeah. and do the thing where you run. roll out kind of yeah. sneak under the apron sneak back how many guys are there and you know that's the move if i was ever in a battle riot that's what i would do I, i'd have a weapon and i just quietly sneak under the ring until there's less stomping in the ring and then just peek out until it got really quiet and then that's your move I'd, I'd make my entrance like 40 minutes long. I would just really ham it up. I'd shake hands. I would wave to the crowd. I would, it would take 40 minutes to walk to the ring. By the time I got to the ring. Just so many people going by you to get to the <laughs> ring. For people real excited to get to the ring. And I'm just like, hey guys, we got to make sure these fans get what they paid for. Mm-hmm. Handshakes, personal greetings, oh, selfies. Pose for a selfie. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so funny. I once in my infinite wisdom when I was a kid running MLW back in 2002 or three uh during the first incarnation i booked the sandman to do a run-in now if you've ever seen the sandman (laughs) this was a fundamental problem and i didn't didn't occur to me at 22 that you have terry funk who's wrapped in barbed wire in the ring you have steve carino barry windham cw anderson is mauling on this guy and i'm like all right this is gonna be the big surprise sandman's gonna come Mm -hmm. into mlw hit the music well Ten minutes later, poor Terry Funk is still getting beaten up. Sandman's drinking beer in the crowd, and the song's still playing. I'm like, this is the longest run-in save in the history of wrestling. Stay tuned, guys. This might be going on halfway through the next episode <laughs> oh next week. God. And Sandman's like, hey! And poor Terry's like, Jesus, Sandman is getting the ring finally. It just says fade to black to be continued. It's a real cliffhanger. No one saw it coming, unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> Even God. myself. So when relaunching MLW in 2018, uh, what would you say is the biggest thing you learned from uh, as a writer and promoter in that kind of 15 year period where MLW wasn't uh, a thing? You know, I, I learned a lot, you you know, you see how things change the ebb and flow of wrestling and what I was doing, what was interesting, what was culturally relevant for wrestling in 2002 through 2004 was so different come like 2017 when we kicked off in Orlando. So it's like, there was so much more talent, younger talent. Uh, What you dealt with in 2003, for example, where a lot of guys just didn't want to put over other guys. Uh, Now I think the, 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 the fans and the talent are so different, more sophisticated than that. They're like, yeah, we're, we just want to have the best, we want to have the best match for the fans, we want to give them everything. So I remember day one, Tony Schiavone is like looking at me because he was our original uh, commentator in MLW during the new era. And he looks around, he's like, you think these guys are going to do business tonight? So what do you mean do business? He goes, you know, put each other over. I was like, I'll think WCW, Tony, this ain't going to be a problem. The last year. I'm just going to get right into the pandemic. Let's do it. So the last year for pro wrestling has been very strange. And Mm. I find it, I find it fascinating that like you guys were not able to survive. You're able to thrive and expand Uh, now go like up through now. You're like, the, the deal with vice uh running more shows running big shows the the azteca underground stuff which matt and i are going to want to talk about in a few minutes because holy cow we love lucha underground um for you what was the experience of going through that like and now you're out on the other end and like we've seen how it has changed wrestling and changed some wrestling companies forever we found out this week that roh is going in hiatus something i never thought would happen like for you as someone running a wrestling company, but not, not even just running a wrestling company, but running a wrestling company of note that has this fan base around the country, what was getting through that pandemic like? And now that you're being able to restart and have people back to shows? Yeah, I mean, there's no playbook for the pandemic, uh, having empty arena matches, you know, rapid testing. And first, you don't have it. We waited until there was rapid testing. So we had some sort of baseline ability to protect the crew, the talent, everyone involved with producing these empty arena shows. I mean, it was a lot of unknown, a lot of question marks. I remember our last show was in Mexico with AAA in March, March 13th of 2020. And at the time we thought, okay, maybe we'll take a, a hiatus for what, 12, 14 weeks and we'll be back. And it'll be a weird 12, 14 weeks, but Hey, it's nice to have a little break. 
you know, 15, 16 months later, here we are, and we're, we're back in front of a crowd. And it, it, it was such an adjustment because there was all these things were about to kick off. I had talked, I had spoken with Fatu and Hammer in February of 2020 about this is the path, this is where we're going with you two, Hammer, Fatu, this is how we're going to get there. And then within five, six weeks, it totally changes and blows up. And so I didn't want to give that away without a fan, without fans there. And I think it's so important to have fans. They're the biggest star any company has. And so it was, it would, it would have been a disservice to the fan to do it that way. And so, you know, fans buying tickets, you're in a weird place. We're kind of treading water creatively. So we, do, we wanted to give fans a good show, but we also know we're going to have to do some things to kind of slow it down and take some detours before we kind of rev it up. And, and then expand our roster, which we were about to do. So that's kind of what this weird lost 16 months really was for us. It's just, just giving the fans the product, giving the talent the ability to work and make money, and then be ready to come out of it roaring with new deals. And whether it's international deals, we just closed a deal that was in the works since uh, the pandemic for, for South Africa, which we haven't announced fully yet, but there's a, there's a little teaser, but these things take time. And so what it did allow me to do during this pandemic was uh, redirect my bandwidth. Instead of running, promoting shows, I was doing deals, whether it was with DAZN or Fubo Sports or developing and, and establishing the relationship with Vice. It took time and, and you know, we're a small company. We, we have limited time and I'm usually at running point on a lot of things. So that allowed me at least that FaceTime that I wouldn't have had. And the nice thing was I didn't have to fly to LA to have these meetings. I could just fire up Zoom and here we are. Well, and now and now that we're, you're, we're, we're out, we're, I mean, it's debatable how out of the pandemic we are, but like you're yeah. able to do shows with fans now. Uh, you have obviously the big show coming up looking forward. Like what is the, like for you as both the guy in charge, but also just a fan of pro wrestling, what is the thing that most excites you about what MLW has coming? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like just, there's been some, I look at our, our tent poles, what's coming on, uh, on the horizon, whether it's early 22, mid 22, I try to book 18 months out. And so a lot of the plans I've had to look back at and say, okay, this has changed. This is still more or less the same. And, and it takes time to get there. But when you do that, it's, it, it allows you to say, okay, finally, we have a path. We have visibility. We know there's going to be fans. We're gonna, we know we're going to be in Dallas for this show. We're going to be in Philadelphia for that show or maybe Mexico or somewhere else. And, and knowing where we are and what we're going to do, just, it, it's like, okay, it's like we're, we're, like we're fully operational again. And, and just being able to then move around certain pieces and, and open up spots for new talent. Uh, that's one of the most interesting things is just this new chapter for MLW with new talent uh, coming in, some returning faces. Uh, broke earlier this week that Jeff Cobb, who was with us, our first show, is coming back. He'll be, uh, he'll be there this weekend in Philadelphia, which is a big oh. get coming off of his performance of the G1. And I uh, love the guy. He's a beast. Oh, my God. Watching Jeff Cobb, I've... I've... I was previously living in Los Angeles, so I went to a bunch of PWG shows and watching Jeff Cobb live is wild because he like you look at him and like he is a big dude and he throws that power around like crazy. Yeah, Oof. he's he, he's a beast. And we actually at one point had a team with that riddle and it was the <laughs> uh, great team. And uh, but we did an angle once with Matt and uh, Jeff Cobb and there was someone was attacking them getting into their car. And Matt was driving the car and, and Jeff was supposed to be get, he got into the shotgun and he got into the driver's side or the passenger side. He bust closed the door, they attack him, get his arm. Well, Riddle always wears sandals yes. and, you know, the, the flip-flop uh, slides. And so he's supposed to chase after the guys after they attack him. And so he starts running and he's like the master of these damn sandal slides. He's running wearing these slides halfway to, to Miami, we are shooting in Orlando. I was like, oh my God, this guy's going to wipe out, hurt himself. And it also looks so ridiculous seeing him run with these sandals. I'm like, all right. And then poor, you know, Jeff is selling the arm and stuff, but awesome, awesome talent. And the fun guy that I got to, you know, I was, I was a consultant on uh, some stuff involving Jeff in, in, a, in a different life where he might or may not have been a character known as Matanza. Uh, and being around that Lucha Underground environment and seeing him come to national prominence wearing that cool gimmick and working a bit differently. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, there's Kiji Muto and then there's the great Muda and this is like his great Muda. And I love Matanza and, and not saying you may see him or not see him this weekend, but 
uh, it's a pretty cool concept. Well, now you've piqued my interest. Yeah. <laughs> and that honestly, that just, that makes me want to talk about the Azteca underground stuff. Cause like we, like we, we loved the whole, the whole concept of Lucha underground was such a fun yeah. idea that it was essentially what if wrestling was li- literally a telenovela. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I got to go to a couple of the tapings and it was such, it was different than any other wrestling show I'd ever been to just the way everything worked together and how they're, sets built around the ring where they could shoot these scenes and everything uh what was it that i get what specifically was made you want to be like okay i want to work this into the product we're making and like how was that was that an easy thing to get a hold of or an easy thing to i guess because i'm not sure what the rights of anything are Mm -hmm. or how any of that works but for you like a what made you want to work in this sort of else worlds of wrestling into what you're doing at MLW, but also like how easy a task was that to pull off? Yeah. I mean, historically for us, we've had the, uh, the opportunity with BM sports to kind of stumble upon something we didn't necessarily look at and have in our business plan, which was they have a Spanish feed to their channel, which is actually um, very popular called BN Espanol. And their biggest rights involve soccer and, and, and their audiences predominantly first, second generation Mexican Americans. And so our show started to air uh, in Spanish on BN Espanol. And at the time we started off with luchadors from AAA, guys like the Lucha Brothers, and we and then the legendary LA Park and his family and brought in tons of luchadors, Aerostar, Drago. And uh, we found that we actually had an interesting way to counterpunch two billionaires is that we were able to tap in to the Mexican American fan base and the fans that love Lucha and having spent time as a triple a as part of their, their executive team, Lucha underground, of course, and then having this TV outlet to, to tap into something. We saw our audience in Chicago was predominantly Mexican Americans and uh, Mexican immigrants. We saw that there was something there. And as time evolved and we're looking at, you know, how does MLW evolve because you shouldn't stay the same. And as people and other promoters copy your ideas, how do you keep one step ahead and go in different directions? And one of the things we always saw was, you know, we had so many, so many luchas, people loved Lucha Underground. So how can you tip your hat to that, but be true to yourself and do something different and, and kind of create this multiverse and, and be very respectful of the intellectual property of others. And, you know, we navigated that. And, and over a six month period, we kind of dropped the breadcrumbs on, on MLW TV starting in January of this past year. And it was revealed like in May, that in fact, the former Dario Cueto, now Cesar Duran, uh, Luis Gil Fernandez, uh, had come to MLW and he was now our matchmaker. And then that just opened this new door to this world of Azteca underground. And from there, it's kind of slowly, we now take to the next phase. And the next, I'd say four to five weeks, there's gonna be some interesting developments on the Azteca underground front for a lot of the fans wondering what's the next big shoot a drop on that one. It's coming. And uh, Cesar Duran, we paid that off. This one will pay off too. So awesome. So uh, awesome. So kind of looking at Azteca Underground uh, from a yeah. production standpoint, um, did you feel like there was, a, there was a lot of change kind of just with, with shooting and how things are planned out compared to how MLW operates outside of that? Well, they had an incredible budget, Mark Burnett running point on that. So it's a bit different from what we do. I mean, I think a bit, bit different from even WWE on down. Uh, it was a very ambitious production. It was the highest standards you can ask for in a, in a scripted show or wrestling show. Uh, for us, what we do is we try to import some of the qualities and characteristics of that, but very selectively use it so it doesn't feel, it feels immersive. It doesn't feel like Frankenstein. Uh, so like whenever you go into Cesar's office, it's a cinematic multicam shot. We bring in a, a team from LA to film it. Uh, we have, you know, track cameras and everything and different lighting. And it's definitely a different uh, presentation than what we've done in the past. And it's different. I mean, we've upped our production value because of it, which is fun. It just, it's, it's, it takes a lot more time in post-production to assemble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really rewarding when you get to see Cesar Duran and all his characters in his office and all the, the different schemes and things that are transpiring. <laughs> 
it is it's it's very <laughs> we cover obviously a lot of movies and television it's very strange when you realize that like in theory wrestling would be the hardest thing to film because there's so much going on at once you have to have people aiming cameras in different directions but then and then you see something like this where it's an office set or right. like i re like lucha underground had things like dirty bathroom sets stuff that looks like they just walked into a train station somewhere and found it and it had to have cost 20 bucks you're like no that's the like that is the like just in terms of getting the shot like that's the money yeah. stuff because you have to create that stuff like the, it's one thing to like capture the action in the ring which is as important as anything else but then to also have this whole other facet of it that is not the norm like yeah that's the investment right there there's so much that has to be done for that and we we filmed the first thing with Cesar, which was the reveal at the end of our our season last year or earlier this year in May. We filmed that in early April, like about six weeks, five weeks before it aired, in a, on a closed set uh, because of COVID, but also we wanted it to be a surprise mm -hmm. in LA. So yeah, we were on a set, not in an office, but actual set filming this. Uh, with everyone signing non-disclosure agreements, I mean, it was a secret secret that our even our <laughs> editor didn't get it until like we had a, a satellite editing team in LA assemble everything. And then he got the final file to tag on to the end of the episode. It's like our, you know, our Marvel post cinematic scene. So he got that, like, just before he was uploading show, then renders it and, and exports it. And he was like, Whoa, that's pretty cool. I mean, it was not that we didn't trust our editor, but we just love the idea of just trying to preserve the surprise. Cause I think, you know, in wrestling, there's a natural inherent sense of, skepticism cynicism because of just wrestling so you know we were just so cautious we were like yeah yeah keep doubting keep down and watch you're gonna like this one this one's gonna be a good payday big good payoff and a good payday i want to i kind of want to go back to that, that whole idea of uh, wrestling fans and kind of cynicism like we're, we're yeah i mean i grew up on wrestling chris we all grew up on wrestling yeah we all play armchair quarterback every day of the week absolutely um, we all do I have yeah. a lot of I have a lot of thoughts about the eighteen to forty nine demographic wins, <laughs> but we'll, we don't need to get into that right now. Uh, so there's a lot of people that claim to have an insider track of how everything works. None of us do. Uh, but what's one thing about wrestling and just how wrestling works and being a promoter that you wish fans would know or understand better? You know, you definitely. There's times when I'll go out there and I'll see like it's such a hyper political world. And there's all these narratives, whether someone's trying to, third party's trying to interfere with a, a relationship. So they kind of try to sour and then they'll put a story out there and you're like, do I address this or do I just, you know, there's no merit to it. So why am I addressing it? But then the thing that happens in wrestling is if you don't address it, uh, say it twice in wrestling, now it's fact, even if it's the biggest lie. And so it's like, I, over like two or three years, my practice was just don't address it. Just, just, just stay the high road. And it's like the problem then is then it just continues to just go out there as propaganda and, and then the fans believe it. And then you're in a slippery position because the fans then think that, you know, whatever that story is, it's true. And it's like, oh, now I got to address this. And then you look like the crazy guy on Twitter saying, no, it's this, no, it's that. <laughs> it's like, oh, so, you know, it's like you have to be selective with what you what you address and how you do it. And I think the fans are so, you know, like, I think this fan base is so dialed in more than any other fan base on not just the big companies, the big moments of every company, but also like they're at that grassroots level. They're talking about like the next big thing before anyone sees it. And so it's almost like some of the die, the biggest diehard fans are also some of the biggest wrestling scouts. They may not even know it. Um, so it's like, you gotta take the cynicism and, and some of the stuff you see on social media and then counterbalance it with the passion where it comes from. Because I think it's like, ultimately fans want the best product. I think fans also get into a place where they, in a headspace where it's like, well, we feel like we were wronged on this. So let's hope for something better. And, and but you're going to be kind of just talking shit because it's just the nature of, of, of what we do in wrestling fans in the, you know, in the ring behind the scenes, it's just kind of part of the culture uh, you just have to you just have to have a healthy mindset when it comes to that. There's going to be good. There's going to be some valid. There's going to be total bullshit. And just you know what it is. It is what it is. It's I, I it's a very interesting just in terms of I mean fandom in general, but wrestling fandom as as it sticks out to me a lot these days. Of like, I love just I just love wrestling. I don't care 
who is putting out the show. I don't care who is in the match. If it is a good match, I am excited for it. Like sure. that should be enough. I don't I, like. I there, there's there's a lot of arguments. Like, no, this is the best. No, this is the best. No, this is like no. Wrestling is the best. Wrestling is yeah. this weird common ground that we all fall under the fandom umbrella of. Yeah, and I, I thought it was pretty disturbing seeing like fans just dancing on Ring of Honor's grave when it. Who knows? It's it's is it is it a siesta or is it permanent? Uh, you got to take them at their word and saying they're taking some time to to recalculate, recalibrate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you hope for the best, you shouldn't be laughing and saying, ha ha, that sucks. They should have done this differently or they'd be, you know, this would have been happening. I'm like, here's the thing. You should be rooting for them and be an optimist about their future because more options, more competition is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were around in the eighties and you, and anyone that's a student of the game or loves this business should be looking at the history because, you know, that kind of head, that kind of mind, mindset probably in the in the territory days when wwf was just taking over everything and it was big and glossy and high production value and i was like oh i'm just gonna go with that show because everything's so big and loud and, and it's on a high such a high standard it's like well yeah and then in the aftermath of that you really by the early 90s were re- regretting that because you didn't have this new wave of talent popping up you didn't have alternatives if you something didn't Mm-hmm. excite you on on wwf programming you had nwa wcw and and that was it and yeah. and if you had the territories it would have had you know you could have watched world class you could have watched uh mid-south you could have watched so many different shows and because you know people just ran to the hot brand and front run were front runners basically it, it really undercut the future of the business and set it back for years and years it wasn't until ECW then came out and, and, and kind of redefined wrestling. And, 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 and I think those kind of things are important. I think if you look at history, it's going to repeat itself unless you support these companies. And, and, and there's a lot of great companies doing a lot with it. I mean, they, they, everyone has a different system. They, they're all trying to do it differently. Mm-hmm. Try to support them. I think that's better than dancing on their grave and acting like a know-it-all. I, think, I look at that, I'm like, oh, that's so cringy. I mean, there's always people that are impacted by it. Fans crew, the talent, the front office. Uh, it, 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 I saw that and I thought that is the most toxic, ignorant, self, you know, sh- short-sighted thing you can do. And, yeah. and I think that's one thing I could say is like, we don't need that in wrestling. We need more people supporting wrestling, the different options in wrestling. Whether, you're, whether your jam is New Japan, MLW, Ring of Honor, AEW, man, it shouldn't be so tribal. I think that is such an unsophisticated take on it. And I like what I like what you said specifically. Like, not everything is the same. The beauty of that we have we have a WWE and an AEW and a Ring of Honor and an Impact and an MLW. We have they're they're relaunching. Wow! Like there there are so many like and and Matt, I know you always default DDT Pro. There are there's there's literally a type <laughs> of wrestling for everybody. Everyone, yeah. yeah. Like, how can and you I'm- not love that? I mean, look at all, I look at Japan, which Terry Funk used to say, you know, kind of is an echo chamber for what will happen across, you know, the board. And for, you know, you had a time when they had all these great companies, FMW, IWA Japan, UWFI, uh, All Japan, Pro Wrestling NOAA, Zero One, New Japan. It was inc- crazy, FMW offshoots. And then he went through, you know, the mid 2000s and there was really, yeah, they had these smaller companies, everything was diminished. And now it's starting to come back over there. Uh, we have a great relationship with, with All Japan and I'm seeing how they're coming back. Noah's coming back and, and New Japan's coming back. And it's like, that's great for the Japanese scene. And that mindset should be applied to the US. You want more, you want more places for talent to get recognized, to get paid, to be able to put on great matches for you and then experiment and freestyle and, and bookers be able to do that and create new concepts for new matches and new shows. I mean, you want more, trust me, you want variety. You do not want a menu that just serves all steak. You're gonna get sick of steak. Even if it's the best steak in the business, you're gonna get sick of it. Yeah, eventually you're gonna want a piece of chicken. I yeah, love sushi, sushi. Sure. Oh man, uh, I'm glad you actually mentioned all Japan. You guys have your 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 titles. One of your titles is going to be defended in all Japan. Yep, for the first time in about 18 years, an MLW title will be defended in an all Japan ring. Last person to do that was Satoshi Kojima uh, in 2003. So yeah, it's been 17, 18 years. So it's a huge honor for us to have him defend the World Middleweight Championship over there uh, later this month. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's so great to see the relationship reignited. Uh, it was a great relationship for, for both companies, for the town, for the fans, and to see their reemergence and NLW to the restart just a few years ago, it's serendipitous. I mean, we're really pumped for it and, and we're excited to see hopefully, you know, where it goes. Maybe there's a world where for the first time ever, the triple crown tiles defended on American soil. That would be amazing. Ooh, I would like to see that. I mean, like for me as a wrestling fan, kind of like growing up with the Hulkamania and the WWE and moving to WC. To me, like wrestling now, what I love so much is seeing that cross promotion, seeing titles being defended from right. one promotion and another like that. That's the exciting future for me for wrestling. And like, hey, big ups to you guys for doing that too and being involved. You're getting people like me excited. But please don't ever use the words forbidden door. No. Yeah. I still no, don't, I, mean, I don't understand what that means. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not a door. There's no door. No, I thought it was an M Night movie from a few years ago. What do I know? <laughs> Uh, I just really had one last thing I wanted to ask. And that was like, obviously as a fan of right, like you're deeply involved in all things MLW, but as a fan of wrestling, what, what, what is, what is there going on in the rest of the wrestling world that like gets you excited as a fan? You know, I, I love seeing the different, uh, the, the different presentations of wrestling and how people try to experiment. Uh, one of the challenges that I see is, you know, most companies have the same format. They've had the same format for 25 years and it's the way, the same way you shoot wrestling. So, and, and how you get, you know, you have this invisible camera that's not there and people are talking about, you know, scheming and things backstage. When, you know, I like seeing wrestling and I like people taking challenges. I, you know, Lucha Underground was so great because it gave you an immersive, distinct feel. It had a texture, a tone that was different. They took risks. Uh, Aerostar was a time traveler and Drago was a you know, flying dragon, but they took risks. And I, I think I, when I see a product that resonates for me, it's a company that tries to take risks, that does things a little differently. And sometimes when you experiment, it's going to blow up in your face. As Gary Hart, my mentor, once said, uh, you know, in order to learn how to cook a good cake, you got to burn a few. And, and I think you got to go out there and put, allow yourself to go out there and do different things. Sometimes you're gonna be like, man, we tried it. Yeah, that did not work. I was at WWE when we did the infamous Punjabi prison match, as you oh, remember. Oh, boy. Now, now, full disclaimer, I had pitched Vince on that match, but it wasn't that match. It was, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm not going to bury myself. That actually, no, I showed him a tape of an, an Onita death match with the exploding ring. And I okay. said, I wanted to do that in ML, uh, in WWE. And he signed off on it. And oh, members God. of the creative team have gone on record back in the story. And then it goes to Kevin Dunn, who we didn't hear from for a while. Everything was close to the best. But hey, if Kevin, you know, Vince says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And we start seeing the, the mock-ups for what the exploding cage was going to look like. First of all, there's no explosions. This is about 10 days before the pay-per-view. And then the second thing we learn is it's bamboo. And it is like almost like an Indiana Jones playset uh, from Temple to Doom, the Temple mm-hmm. Doom. And you're like, uh, this is this is so perversely not what we had talked about. Uh, oh my God, this is gonna this is gonna bury the creative team once again. And we, of course, you know, we took the heat for that one, but uh, it's, it's interesting how you take risks and sometimes in different systems, it either turbocharges the idea or it mutates into a Punjabi prison match. I mean, the bright side of that is there is a Punjabi prison play set. So <laughs> yes, your, weird, your, your idea that got mutated into something that not the most beloved thing, uh, but I, but, I, but if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. didn't they go back to that match a second time? I think there's two times they've used that <laughs> massive cage, which is... Um, we got it. We got to do something with it. Well, you know, it's, it's a repurposed old WWF blue, big blue cage. And it's decorated and dressed with the bamboo and stuff um, and painted that bamboo color. Uh, and of course, people probably don't realize, but the, the, the way the, the big blue cage was made, you know, the, the people that make those, they make shark tanks. So the people that go in water and you're in that shark tank, the little cage that floats under and you're baiting the sharks for whatever mm-hmm. reason, it's the, it, those are people that make oh, the uh, big blue cages. Just like most reputable stage uh, ring, you know, uh, steel cage companies also make uh, tennis court cages. You ever looked at them? Same thing. 
Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whenever I walk onto the tennis court, I'm like, war games, baby. <laughs> Submit or surrender. Here we go. But one of the highlights of my journalism career, which I've been the 10 years of me doing this, is going to the WWE archives and <sighs> taking a picture with the Punjabi prison. <laughs> It, I'm that it, type it of wrestling is, fan. I'm the weirdo. It, it, it's such a weird thing. And that's what I love about wrestling is when you have those Lions Den matches like Owen and Ken Shamrock had, right? Mm-hmm. And that like baby play set octagon that was like, you know, you might put your kid in there, you know, and give them, you know, give them a rest so you can do some things around the house. You know, it was not a very terrifying, you know, primal blood sport cage atmosphere, <laughs> but you know, I, I love when wrestling does that, whether it's the manager hanging above the ring in the cage, which mm-hmm. really always drops something that comes into play. I love that about wrestling, the six-sided ring that's been done in Mexico and Impact and in Japan. Uh, you you got to try different things. you got to think differently. I mean, like, it, we've heard a number of wrestlers say it over the years, like, in re- you have to evolve. You're, like, in theory, you're on TV once a week or once a month you have to keep evolving because because your audience evolves and like wrestling is wrestling is one of those weird shows where we're like well it's not a show but like wrestling is one of those weird forms of entertainment where like if you're a fan chances are you're going to be sticking with this for a very long time and if you're if the show is evolving with you fantastic yeah and i think you have to be nimble uh the more you're in the same you're running the same place for so long whether you have an unlimited budget or no budget it's going to get stagnant it's going to get stagnant. You know, I mean, it's like at the same time too, it's like rosters need to change. If you have the same roster for five, like WWE's roster has kind of been the same for, you know, there've been addition subtractions, but look, guys like Randy Orton have been there for so long. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's incredible, but at the same time, you know, I think more competition allows for more like fluidity through, through the rosters where now you can have your rosters change up. And I, I think that's one of the, the key things too is you want to shake it up you need to shake it up uh if you have the same team and you're running the same place forever it's not a great show it's kind of a boring show you, 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 you creative calcification hits yeah man thank thank you so much for showing up here and coming on this show to talk about wrestling we talk we talk to we talk to a lot of wrestlers but it's not often that we get to get into like the nitty-gritty of like the stuff that we care about, where like Matt and I will spend all day together throwing wrestling messages back and forth at each other in Slack. It's like, what about this? Well, what about this? What about the other thing? Uh, <laughs> and like, honestly, Matt, we can now cross this off our bucket list. We've spoken to the father of the Punjabi prison match. <laughs> we did it. We can cancel the show now. Yeah. Uh, well, one of them, the co-conspirators of it, Alex Greenfield also had some some. Uh, input on this one. I, I, I can't take the bullet myself. He's got to take some of it too. I'm I'm glad you do not have to be one to shoulder all of that blame. No, but I did get him the Punjabi prison playset as a, <laughs> as, a as, as cautionary tale and reminder that you got to be careful what you recommend and suggest to Vince because it can come back at you in the form of a playset that no one really wants. Uh, I want it. Uh... <laughs> Well, Matt, now that we know this is true, we got to work on getting that Katie Vick playset put together. No. <laughs> no. A little late for Halloween, guys. Anything can happen. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> make sure to check out Vice TV, MLW. And if you're in Philly, November 6th, a uh, couple days away from now, you can get your yep. tickets on the lines. Also on YouTube. This Saturday. Matt. Yep. This Saturday. Philadelphia at the old ECW arena, 2300 arena, $15 tickets at mlwlive.com. It's a stacked show. You're going to see a big night and it's a TV taping. Come on out. Tell your friends you're taking them to Dune and take them to MLW. It's cheaper than a movie ticket. Also you'll, also you'll have, I'm, I'm guessing a much better time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can guarantee that. If you could get Timothy Chalamet in that ring, I'm just going to say your audience would get way bigger. The kids yeah. love that guy. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out Dune. I, uh, you know, great cure for insomnia. Uh, I don't get it, but I guess we're getting a sequel. So what do I know? Well, they got to tell they got to tell the second half of that story somewhere. Since it just kind of ends after three hours of the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, it just they just wander into the desert. Well, God, we want to see them wander some more. So here we go. 
I'm going to say it. I am glad it went straight to HBO Max because I uh, would not want to sit in the theater with it. No. That's too no, long. No, no. That's no. too long. They, that, that one made Blade Runner sequel look pretty damn good. Wait, do you not enjoy Blade Runner 2049? Finally, I have someone on my team. It, yeah, it, it's a great sedated uh, follow-up to a, to a movie many years ago. Yes. It is also a movie where it's like, maybe if an editor would have shaved, I don't know, 45 seconds off of each shot, the movie could have <laughs> yeah. been turned around in a decent amount of time. Yeah, very, very <sighs> lethargic flow to that movie. That movie. Same with Dune. I was kept texting my friends like, when is something going to happen? They're just talking and more talking, but it's not really good. This but if you the- wait until the end, you get to see the worm. They make yeah. you wait. Yeah, yeah, that should have been in the first 10 minutes. Let's be honest. Yeah, and let's be honest, Beetlejuice had a better sandworm. Amen to that. Yeah. This is the perfect. It, honestly, there is no better note to, inter- to end this on. So thank you yeah. so much, Corey. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, MLW this Saturday. Well, it's November 6th. So if you're listening far in the future, you missed it out. So just go watch oh, it on the Vice TV actu- and YouTube. Actually, then in that case, November 6th, 2021. So if you're oh, 21, because if, if you come up, if you come at this like, in twenty, if in like October of twenty twenty nine, we want you to know that it's not happening this weekend. No, but I mean, I guess support your local, like not local, but support your local wrestling. Support wrestling. Support like, wrestling. if there's one message I want to walk away from this, I want us to mm-hmm. walk away with from this interview is support wrestling. It doesn't have to be like, well, I'm an AEW fan. Well, I'm a WWE fan. We hate each other. Like, no. We're all wrestling fans. We love we love men in underpants rolling around on the floor, all oiled up. Imagine you, everybody, we all live in a world right this second where there are people like, I'm an AEW fan. I'm a WWE fan. When I was a kid, it was like, we had WWE. That's it. Yeah. I mean, like in the in the mid to late 80s and early 90s i mean wcw was a thing but during the monday night war you know what i did i just jumped back and forth between the two shows because i was interested in what both were doing because wrestling is good love wrestling just love wrestling there's something to love on all of these shows and that includes ring of honor and i have high high hopes for ring of honor coming back stronger than ever next year and also, um, I want to give a shout out and well wishes and a uh, speedy recovery to Dan Housen, who broke mm. his leg uh, the other night on Halloween during a match. Yeah. Uh, speedy recovery, sir. Uh, you are one of my favorites. And we love you. I buddy. wish I could have. <laughs> we wish you could have had you on the show, but you got too busy. Broken leg Housen. Busier than Dalton Castle, apparently. Castle Housen. Castle's very busy. Uh, but we also, know uh, Matt. He ran. He oh Siri, stop it! Oh no, Siri, stop it! We we know he got busy, Matt. He ran out of our interview because his dogs were out of control. <laughs> uh, I also, I wish the best. Uh, everybody lands on their feet from Ring of Honor. Uh, I also want Ring of Honor to come back and everybody to return. So yep. um, I wish the best for everyone. Wrestling is good. Man, guys, I don't want to get too crazy because we're supposed to be closing the show. But man, Ring of Honor has brought us so many wrestlers that you guys know and love right now like cm punk samoa joe seth rollins like these are all ring of honor dudes and interestingly enough a lot of the same can be said uh, of this current generation about mlw like so many Mm -hmm. so many of the mainstays in aew and wwe right now came through mlw and some of them get to go back to mlw and do one-offs and like that's that's just exciting so yeah to, to me, that's why I always really enjoy kind of watching promotions like that is like you get to see the stars of tomorrow today um, today. I know that's such a weird thing, uh, but but aside from that, you know, just promote not promoting. Uh, God, my words are my brain just is fried from that trailer breakdown this morning that I had to write uh, just helping not encourage i can't support that's the word the word i was looking for was support chris wow you did it matt you are a support smith uh, i mean support, a, i mean a just, wordsmith just supporting uh wrestling promotions you know just put your love out there ignore what you hate type stuff yeah unless the wrestler or promoter or something did something awful then just rail on them yes they, well, well, also go buy the mjf danhausen t-shirt that's a pretty funny all, t-shirt. all of you I'm going. To. I am. I am wearing my my Muppet Babies Adam Cole shirt today. Muppet Babies, Babies. 
Very good. Anyway, yeah, that was. I love that interview. It's the it's, it's the exact kind of stuff I like that we do on this show. Again, MLW show is November 6, 2021. You'll be able to watch it in the coming weeks after November 6, 2021 uh on Vice TV on their on MLW's YouTube channel. Uh just enjoy it. Enjoy good fun wrestling. And you know what? Uh next week you got another great interview. I'm not going to tell you who just in case it doesn't falls through. <laughs> Finally, Stone Cold Steve Austin is coming on the show. Finally. We're having it's Vince McMahon and Tony Khan. They're gonna I'm gonna mediate them <laughs> becoming best friends. I'm gonna and I'm gonna sit I'm, and I'm gonna take pot shots at both of them from the back. Just mocking. I what let me t- I'm trying to think of like live TV. You know what I watch on live TV right now? Nothing. Like actually live. What? Football. That's it. You know what I watch a lot? Reruns of impractical jokers on true TV when I'm trying to fall asleep. Dude, let me tell you about True TV. Uh, in the early morning, it's Adam Ruins Everything, which I love yep. watching. And then the rest of the day, 20 hours. Of Impractical <laughs> Jokers. With, with then, one or two episodes of like Backyard Bar Wars or whatever it's called. Oh, once a week, there's Tacoma PD. Oh, God. I lo- you know what? I'll say this right now. Tacoma PD is a great show. Didn't they? Oh, God. What was that um, that at-home show they had? The at, home, show? at Home with Amy Sedaris. Thank you. That was fantastic. True TV has legit some like low key, some of the best comedy on television. And unfortunately, and 75 hours a day of Joe and Murr and Sal and Q like do them, joke them up on each other, which I'll say this. I actually really like Impractical Jokers, the show, Same, but it's on so often that I've seen every episode 19 billion times. I'm like, okay, but like, show me something I have. Show me a way to like clip like balloons to someone in a grocery store that I haven't seen before. Chris, I want to, I think we might've talked about this privately. I'd like to talk about it publicly. Oh, no. um, who was your favorite impractical joker? I mean, it's an easy one, right? Here's the thing. Yes. Because I think it's Joe. Mine. I, I like, I go back and forth between Joe and Q. Mm-hmm. Mine's mine is I, Joe. I'm, I, 100%. I'm, a, I'm a main Joe with like my sub is Q. Uh, Q is up there for me. Who's your least favorite? I don't want to say Sal because I feel bad, but it's Sal. It's Prince Herb. Who? Prince Herb. You have not. Oh, man. There's a bunch of episodes you have not seen of Unpractical Jokers. No, but like, what? What? Who? Of, who's Prince Herb? It's Sal. Oh, OK. They changed his name for a whole season. Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> I do appreciate when they have a season long punishment, like when uh, Murray. It's was, mostly against Murray. When Murray was forced to wear Q's hair for a oh, year. Murr. Yeah. Or when they shaved his head and eyebrows. Oh, uh, and he had to get his driver's license photo taken. <laughs> yep. And his passport with Q's hair. Yeah. And practical Joker's buddies. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, any final words this week, Chris? Yes. Love wrestling. Just love good wrestling. That's it. I don't hate Sal. See you later. Me neither. Thanks for listening to Russell Buddies. We hope you had at least almost as much fun as we did. Go ahead and rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. You can email us questions at WrestleBuddies at GameSpot.com or find us over on Twitter at WrestleBuddies. I am at Chris Hayner. He is at I'm Matt Elfring. See you next week. <laughs>